Prepare yourself for Listoff, the gaming podcast where your hosts, Brian and Ryan, rank the things they love. Three, two, one, Listoff! Hey guys, Ryan here. I uh, just wanted to give you all a heads up on what to expect from Listoff going forward. We will not have an episode releasing next Monday, so Monday, September 19th, we will not have an episode coming out. Instead, the episode that was planned will be coming out that Friday, September 23rd, which will actually be the new day we release episodes. We are moving to Fridays, TGIF. And after that, there will be pre-recorded episodes coming out for the next month or so that Brian and I recorded in the expectation of his hiatus. So we may not be as relevant with some of our references, but I hope you'll forgive us. Anyway, won't keep you any longer. Let's go ahead and get into this week's episode. This week, we make Justin Bailey proud as we discuss the top five games with a female lead. And uh, I'm also joined by Brian 2, the sequel to Brian. Comic book expert, Mikey Tabletop. How's it going, Mikey? He will be my co-host this episode. I'm doing well, thank you. I'm very excited to uh, step into the role of co-host. If at any point you mix up names and you call me Brian, I'm totally prepared for that. I will respond to Brian, so just no issues. Brian, too. Yeah, Brian, too. And uh, not only that, we are also joined by Patrick Hickey, Jr., author, editor-in-chief at Legacy Comics, lead voice actor for the upcoming game WrestleQuest, and kind of just a man who does it all. How you doing, Patrick? I'm doing great, man. I'm super happy to be here. Thank you guys very much for uh, having me. As a video game historian, uh, I love obscure topics like this, and I'm sure we've got a lot of crazy ground to cover. Uh, why don't you tell a little bit, talk a little bit about the stuff you do and all, all the things you create for our yeah, audience. Man. Yeah, man. So I am, first off, I am a college professor. I am a assistant professor of journalism and English at Kingsborough Community College in Brooklyn, New York. I'm also the chair of the City University of New York Journalism Discipline Council. Um, I'm a former NBC editor. I'm the author of the Minds Behind the Games book series, which currently has five books out. The sixth, The Minds Behind PlayStation Games, is coming out in the next couple of weeks, which features interviews with over 60 developers on over 43 games on the Sony PlayStation. I'm also the lead voice actor on WrestleQuest. I just finished up um, basically lead voice acting on BPM Boy on the Atari VCS. Um, I'm also the lead voice actor on World Championship Boxing Manager 2, which is coming out in a couple of weeks. Um, and I am the editor-in-chief and owner of Legacy Comics. Yeah. Wow. So before we started recording, I said, how do you do it? And I, I found out the secret to getting all these things done. You just don't sleep. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, so simple. don't sleep and uh, have an Italian wife. <laughs> <laughs> My wife don't take no crap, you know, and she's up just as much as I am. So it's just like, uh, I don't go to bed until she does. And uh, she's up hustling doing her thing so you know we're both we both have that entrepreneurial uh, spirit so you know it's just she sets the bar high and i and then you know we feed off of each other and we do what we got to do so i totally understand that yeah my wife pushes me in the best ways as well so definitely mm -hmm. get it i'm honored to have you on the show man thank you so much yeah, for joining man, no us problem. happy to be here and uh without without any more ado let's go ahead and talk about our pre-flight checklist guys what games have you played this week we'll start with mm -hmm. you patrick uh, WrestleQuest. <laughs> <laughs> Before anybody else has. That's awesome. Yeah, I've I've played it plenty of times. It's so weird because I voice over 100 characters in the game. And, wow. Um, just, 
it's like I'm having a conversation with myself. It's, it's <laughs> super, it's super wacky. Um, I also got to play uh, a bunch of Slave Zero at PAX West, um, which is from my buddies at Ziggurat Games, um, which I also do voice on world championship boxing manager with them. So um, Slave Zero was a lot of fun. Totally took me back to like pandemonium on PS1 meets like Turtles in Time. So it's got like that 2.5D thing going on with some sexy sword play beat em up so um that um uh gumbarella from uh devolver digital i was playing a bit uh of at their their booth they were amazing to me they were like the best neighbors at pax west um they hooked me up with like two free copies of like demon throttle they're so nice um but yeah gumbarella is super fun it's like a western like miami hotline like cave story kind of thing going on oh so much fun but yeah that's what that's what i've been playing basically those three and uh always always some nhl 94 and pokemon oh wow nhl 94 so do you cheese it oh i have a modded version so i have the updated rosters oh cool so that's really go on you can go online and uh, it's like NHL94.com and you can download the updated rosters and uh, they have all the teams, all the players. And uh, yeah, I play that on my RG350, which is like this like sexy little emulation machine. And whenever I'm on a flight, um, I play that. Or I've had this thing the past couple of uh, flights, like uh, in July, I went to Tennessee. So I was like, you know what? I was really bored halfway through the flight. So I ended up throwing a no hitter in RBI baseball. <laughs> nice. So then on my way to Kansas city last week, I ended up throwing a perfect game in bad news baseball in NES, which was nuts. I couldn't believe I did it. I was like marking out on the plane. Everyone thought I was right. <laughs> right. But yeah, so I love those old sexy retro sports games that are mega simple to play, but like oh, hard yeah. to put down. Yeah. yeah. So did you ever think we'd get to a day where you could play them on a handheld on a plane? It's so much fun. I mean, to have, well, the thing is the emulator that I have, I can play PS1 games also. So oh, it's that's just cool. like, take like Final Fantasy VII, the NFL game day series, you know, NHL face off, like all that stuff to me. Oh, Parasite Eve. Oh, oh, oh yeah. You know, since yeah. we're talking about female characters, like, oh, yeah. So Lara Croft, I mean, Tomb Raider right. 2 is so awesome, you know? Um. So yeah, I mean, I never thought we'd get to that day. I know. So, it's so much fun to be there though. <laughs> it sure is, <laughs> yeah. dude. It sure is. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, very cool. All all great games, without a doubt. Uh Pax West Thanks. sounds like a lot of fun. It was it was a ton of fun. Um, it's still rough with the everyone getting masked up uh masked up still and you know, it's just like there's so many people there and everyone's like still like scared they're gonna get COVID. It's like super rough, but people came to play games and to have a good time. And I think I think Pax West certainly delivered in that respect. That's awesome, nice. man. Yeah, yeah. All right. All right, Mikey. I mean, Brian. I mean, <laughs> what about you? What games you play this week? I have been way less active th- than Pat. I-, I, went, I went camping for a couple of days this week because of the long weekend, so I haven't been home That's to play cool. a lot of video. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, just not a lot of video game time. Uh, so I-, I played a little bit of Fortnite today. Uh, just, for- Fortnite's fun. I'm like in and out of it sometimes. I was listening to your uh, top three Battle Royale episode. Yeah. And when I finished work, I was like, all right, I'm going to go home and play some Fortnite because of it. And then I'm playing a little bit of it, but I'm mostly watching my partner play it. Uh, we've been doing a lot of Cult of the Lamb recently. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, the, the last episode I, I did with you and Brian, Brian was talking about it and how much his wife loves it. And literally, as soon as we clicked end record, I got up, went downstairs, bought her on my PlayStation. And I was like, babe, I got you a game. We're, we're playing this tonight. And then, <laughs> so we've been playing that nonstop since. So she likes it. 
Oh, she loves it. Uh, she's a, she, like, I think her favorite video game is Stardew Valley. She's, she's big into like that whole thing. So it's fun because this is like a good mix of a little bit of everything. Like it's more combat than, than Stardew Valley. And sometimes like she, she also played the Witcher funny enough. The only game she'll play are like the Witcher and Stardew Valley. And sometimes <laughs> nice. the Witcher was a little bit too combat heavy for her. And I think this is like a great middle ground and, and, and she's having a really good time. Sometimes she'll, she'll get bored and be like, okay, you, you do a couple of rooms. I just want to hang out and watch. So we'll do like pass and play on the one account for that. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like a good game for it. Cause yeah. you have that you, like, Oh, we'll go back to the, you know, mm-hmm. the sim part of it. And w- now when it's combat time, like hand the controller over, let yeah. me, let me it, get that. It, yeah. That's it, cool. It, it, it's funny. Like, like the base camp, like the cults management is definitely her favorite part. I'm like, send me back in the woods. I want to go beat up some spiders. <laughs> <laughs> send me out. Right. Right. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I played some games as well. I did finish and uh, roll credits on horizon forbidden West uh, I've been playing that over the last few weeks, and I got to say, I really, really enjoyed this game. Uh, I liked the way they showed Aloy, talking about female protagonists as a character. They re- she really came into her own in this game, whereas the first game she was kind of like, it was more about the things happening around her than her her as a character. In this game, it's like, no, she is very much in control of the situation and makes that clear from the outset. The game itself is gorgeous. One of the best looking games I've ever played. I am from the West Coast originally. So seeing all my old haunts and stuff like that in, you know, a thousand years in the future was incredible. I would love to keep playing this game, but unfortunately I have, I have other obligations. Uh, so I started playing The Evil Within and I had never played this game. Um, I'm definitely enjoying it so far. It's very much that era of like Resident Evil 4 and that comes across in the gameplay. The one thing I wish they did differently is they have the camera right behind the character and it bounces up and down with you when you run. And I'm like prone to motion sickness and it kind (laughs) of gets to me. And I don't, I didn't expect it to bother me this much, but like, oh my gosh, when that camera's bouncing, sometimes it's just like, I feel like my head's rattling. I wish they wouldn't have done that. Other than that minor gripe, it's a, it's really cool. Atmospheric. Uh, I, I do appreciate that they're going a very unique route with the survival horror aspect of it. And I don't quite know what's happening yet. And I like that immediately the stakes are huge. And it's just like this catastrophic event happens and you just have no clue what caused it or anything like that. And I still don't up to the point where I'm at, but you're starting to piece it together little by little. And it's, it's a good mystery in the way it's unfolding currently. I don't know how it, resolves itself by the end of the game so that remains to be seen but i'm definitely going to keep playing it it's got enough to keep me going for sure nice. yeah all right well that's our pre-flight checklist i say we go ahead and get into our list proper for clarification we are doing the top five games with female protagonists, correct? Not the top five female protagonists yes. in games. And I think it's important to note that distinction for our listeners because there is a difference. Mm-hmm. I have my favorite female protagonist, but the games they're in might not hold up compared to other games. I think I wanted to go ahead and make that distinction yeah. outright. Well, I say we go ahead and get into our list. Patrick, as the guest of honor, why don't you tell us your honorable mention? Uh, my honorable mention is uh, Ayabrea from Parasite Eve. Just think this is a super special survival horror 
RPG hybrid. Um, it has one of the prettiest CGs, CG, um, you know, scenes in video game history that still holds up. If you guys don't remember that dog transforming, um, she's just a really cool character too. Um, I think she's got a lot of staying power. She's really tough. She's really like, you know, strong on her to- on her toes. Um, doesn't get nearly as much credit. The game um, sold over a million copies worldwide, mm-hmm. um, but Squaresoft was expecting a million sales alone in the uh, United States, which it didn't quite get to. So that's why like the the sequel didn't get the marketing push that it deserved. I, I mean, I feel like she is a character that could have gotten a lot more. Um, game is super special to me too, because like uh, Charles Panetti, one of the lead level designers, he's got a crazy story of how he got into gaming. He basically taught himself Japanese by playing Japanese mm. video games. So imagine not knowing Japanese and playing Japanese video games so much that you actually taught yourself English. So he's the one of the lead level designers on Parasite Eve. So when I just see that like he helped bring this character to life, <laughs> it just makes her and the game mean like a ton to me. Yeah, that's I love Parasite Eve. Actually, I've spoken about it a few times on the podcast, and uh, it's definitely one of those '90s games that stick stuck with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never, I did play the sequel. I rented it and played it. Never beat the sequel, and uh, I think there's even like the third birthday, right? Is like the third game in the series, if I'm not mistaken. Never got around to playing that, but I do remember this fizzling out. And I remember after playing the first one, I felt like, man, this franchise. I, I want to see more of it, right? It was kind of that like Resident Evil-esque horror element to it, but I liked the RPG elements as well. And mm-hmm. it is a shame this you know doesn't get a remake or we don't see more of them because it, it could have been one of those larger series for sure. For sure. Great pick. Yeah. Great pick. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've I've never played that game before, but like I literally I just pulled up the note. I've had it on like my to play list for probably years now. It's just it's in the backlog. I'm gonna get there eventually. <laughs> yeah. The ever-growing backlog, yeah. Right. That we never get to, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, coming in at my honorable mention, I have a uh, Half-Life Alex, which like I mentioned previously, I have never played a VR game. I don't have a VR headset, but I'm fascinated by the idea of virtual reality gaming. And I'm a big Half-Life guy to begin with. So I think like the mix of it is like really cool. And then on top of that, like it, so, the last, I think the last episode you were on, I was like, come to Florida. I'll put that thing on your head. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he still has, listeners, he still hasn't come to Florida. <laughs> it, it, it's only been about 14 days. Just I'm still working on it. That's give, true. That's give, true. Give, give me another 14 days. But um, and like if you I was doing research for it and like when you type in Half-Life Alex into YouTube, literally the first YouTube video to come up is this is the greatest VR game of all time. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, OK, cool. I feel validated in this honorable mention. Even if I've never played it, people seem to love it. I'm going to assume it goes with the rest of Half-Life and it is a good choice. And like Alex is cool. So just like Half-Life is cool. Boom. Honorable mention. Yeah, that's a good pick. I mean, it's hard for me to argue that um, it's the VR game everybody goes to. Like, hey, mm-hmm. I just got a VR headset. What should I play? Half-Life Alex, right? Yeah. That's what everybody ends up spitting. But uh, <laughs> my honorable mention is a game where I just like the lineage of it as well. It's Alien Isolation. Okay. And I love the fact that you get to play as Amanda Ripley's daughter, Ellen Ripley, oh. in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Th- 
other than the familial connection, right? She she's a person who's now searching for her mother, and um, I guess the, what I'm trying to say is it's a similar beat to the first Alien movie, right? Like when you meet Ripley in the first Alien movie, she is an unassuming member of the crew. By the end, she becomes somebody who is capable and adapted better to the threat than anyone else aboard the Nostromo. Mm-hmm. And you kind of get to see a similar arc from Ellen in Alien Isolation. And I appreciated that because this is somebody who didn't have that time with her mother, but the similarities in their personalities are, are made apparent throughout your playthrough of this game. It's also, gameplay-wise, one of the creepiest games I've ever <laughs> played. I stopped playing this game the first time I tried playing through it. It scared me that much that I just could not continue. And I love horror games. Like I can't think of one where I had to put it down and, and step away from it. But the way this uses sounds and the way it uses the shadows and environment, plus like I think I was talking a few weeks ago about how aliens are some of the creepiest things. I like watch them uh, a little too young, right? From the back of the, (laughs) from behind the couch, you know? So I I gave up this game for about two, three years and I finally went back to it. And I'm so glad I did because it ended up being just such a cool experience. And uh, if it's a game you haven't played, I would recommend it. And Push past the fear, because it will be there. This game generates fear like no other game I've ever played. It was one of those games at GameStop maybe like six or seven years ago that was like 10 bucks like yeah. for uh, for Thanksgiving, um, like Black Friday. So I ended up picking up like seven copies of it for, <laughs> for Christmas presents, you know, and I kept one for myself. And all six people that I got it for were all like, you got this when it was $10 at GameStop. And I was like, yes, absolutely. And they're like, but I love it. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) so we're good. So we're good, you know, so. Yeah, absolutely. What a good gift. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. It is these, I've said, you know, we recorded, I think, Scariest Games a few years ago, and it was before I came back to this to finish it. I can say without a doubt, it's the scariest video game I've ever played. It's that good. (laughs) Mm -hmm. If you like being scared, play the game. All right, let's get into our list proper. Patrick, what's your number five? Oh, this was a tough one, but I'm going to have to explain my my reason a little bit. So I'm picking Aeris Gainsborough from Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> the reason why is because, um, so like I'm going to mention obviously some of the interviews that I've done and stuff, but like uh, I I got the opportunity to interview the one of the lead testers for Final Fantasy VII and the lead localization nice. manager and um hey we're we're all about humble brags here patrick so like let it let it go man be proud of what you accomplished um so it was just like one of those moments where they were telling me that like when the game was being tested by the american audience it was basically like a room and like 25 testers all playing the game through at the same exact speed all trying to find as many bugs as possible before the game you know went golden in the united states and stuff Mm -hmm. like that and just one day it was oh shit what just happened and then another guy goes, oh, man, everyone stop, 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 don't play. And then another guy starts crying. And then another guy is like, no. And the lead uh, localization manager is like, what's happening? And they're like, he he killed her. Oh, he killed wow. Aeris. And it was just like, this was the, the first batch of people in the entire United States witnessing Aeris's death. And so it's just like, she's she's not the main character of Final Fantasy VII, but she is absolutely the straw that stirs the emotional drink of that game. Because by the end of the game, you want to kill Sephiroth because of what he did to her. You yeah. know, so it's just like, for me, she is one of the most important female characters of all time. 
she's a linchpin for that entire yeah. story. I agree. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, gosh, I, I, I'm getting like chills just thinking about it, but um, I heard a theory too. It's really bad. And it like made it wor- that much worse that like he actually just um, like uh, paralyzed her. Right. And didn't kill her. And like, oh. she, it's the drowning that kills her and it's like a mercy kill. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Real oh. bad stuff. And I don't know if that was the intent, but it definitely is like, it could be read that way. Right. You know how people mm-hmm. like to pull, pull these things apart years later, but um, mm-hmm. sure. I cannot imagine being one of the first people to experience that. It's crazy. Cause like, um, I'll never forget. I was sitting in a Dunkin' Donuts with one of my best friends and I was showing him the list of all of the games in the minds behind PlayStation games. And he's just like, yeah. And I'm like, what? And he's just like, you don't have Final Fantasy seven in it. And this is like literally like three weeks before my manuscript was due. And I was just like, yeah, I'm going to have to get Final Fantasy seven. In it. And I just, I, the hammer to the grindstone, so to speak. And I ended up getting the lead localization manager and, and one of the lead testers. And it was wow. like one of the last things I put in. And it was like, it just put everything like hearing that story mm-hmm. just like made me connect that much more to a game that I already, that I had already absolutely adored. So, yeah. so yeah. Uh, I hope that friend gets a shout out in the book without him. <laughs> no final fantasy seven in he it. Does. Yep. He does. Tommy <laughs> yeah. Kafkalis. I'll never, he's like the, the Greek mayor of Bensonhurst. So yeah. <laughs> well, we all thank you, Tommy as yeah. well. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to the book, dude. That mm-hmm. sounds incredible. Thanks, yeah. Man. I bet I could imagine like playing it. Well, I I know playing it, and I was like, stop, like rewind, like how do I go back and make this not happen? Right? It's like one of those moments, and only a few I games. I used the can game code to bring her back, and I just I played through like the game <laughs> with her and my team. But the thing is, like, if you tried to move her slot, it 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 duplicated it, yeah. so it would like it would so you'd have like four Aeruses on your team. Perfect. So you like just corrupt your entire squad. Mm. But um, so but yeah. So yeah, I still have that save with her alive and well on level, you know, 99 or whatever maxed That's out. Cool. So a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah. That's cool, man. But Tifa best girl, just saying. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Never gonna Tifa cosplay, Aris cosplay, Tifa 24-7. Absolutely. <laughs> My man. <laughs> All right, Mikey. What do you got for number five? Uh coming in at number five, I'm gonna go with Darkstalkers three, specifically. Uh, Vampire Savior. Uh, it's a fighting game, and one of the most like popular characters from it, it's Morgan, who everyone knows from the Marvel vs. Capcom series. <laughs> Dark Soccer's still a kick-ass game in its own right. It's yeah. just it's a fighting game with a bunch of like they started off as like old school like Hollywood monsters, but they couldn't get the the rights to do that so they just have to change it a little bit to make it fit its own thing it's like a cool like horror fighting game and there's this punk rock skeleton in it and you just got like werewolves and it's just like it's, it's like a cool unique fighting game and it's like hyper aggressive and it's a lot of fun uh i think it's closer to marvel versus capcom than like a street fighter is even though they're yeah. like both set up that way and i'm a big marvel guy so just like that comparison and, and I definitely think like the Darkstalker games got better as they went on. So Darkstalker three, I, I, I'm going to throw in a, I'm going to throw in a number five. I can't put it that much higher. It's like, it's a fighting game. There's not a lot of depth to it. There's not a lot of story to it, but I have a lot of fun when playing it. So throwing it on the list also. Yeah, man. Darkstalkers are good games for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. I definitely poured a few quarters into them in the arcades. Yeah. yeah. So speaking of Marvel, mm-hmm. speaking of Marvel, Patrick, I was uh, reading an interview with you. 
And in this interview, you talked about, um, I think, the first comic book you had ever read, right? And yeah. it was uh, of the, a Puma, Puma and Spider-Man, right? Puma was like beating up on Spider-Man. Is that right? Yeah, man. Yeah, man. So wow. I was like, oh, I got to find this comic book, right? And I was going to find it, but it didn't, I found out, you said it was the late 80s, so I didn't have a lot to go on. So I ended up finding like three of them, and I, wa I want to share my screen just to see like, yeah, man. <laughs> if, you could, if you could pinpoint which one it is. I've been looking for the comic forever. Too. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know you had said you still haven't found it. Spider-Man. And I, yeah, I still haven't found it. Yeah. Oh, it was spectacular. Okay. So it's not yeah. this one. Is it, it's not that one or is it that? No, one? it's not that one. No, it's all not right. that one. Is it this one with Puma? No. Oh gosh. It's like, I'm trying them all. Yeah. And it's not this amazing <laughs> Spider-Man either. Nope. No, nope. this yeah, is incredible. <laughs> I've been, I've been on this journey for quite some time. So it's like, I, I've, I've been on a quest for quite some time to find, um, all the comics that I sold when I was a kid. So like mm -hmm. I got my spawn number one back. I got oh, my cool. venom lethal protector back. I got my dark Hawk number one back. Yeah. I got like, so, but like for the life of me, it had to be like around 88, 89 spectacular Spider-Man. Yeah. And I, it's like, I I've done intensive Google searches and I'm just like, maybe, maybe it was an older book that, cause it was a newsstand right. copy, you know? Okay. And Hold on. I think yeah, I man. found it. I think I found mm -hmm. it. Hold on one second. Let me share this. I think I got it. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Is it this one? <gasps> that might be it. I have it, to see like inside because I remember like the last right? couple of pages, but that like the dollar price tag is yeah. kind of like the giveaway. Right. <laughs> right. You know? For sure. That's how you like. That's yeah. how much they were like when I was first starting to read comics. They were a yeah. dollar. So. So, so so that issue is from 1990. Is that too late? I know you said like 88, 89. I was seven. So okay. that's about right. It could be okay. Cool. 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 Yeah. No. It this is good close, to know. Yeah. You know if see, I had this plan where I was going to go to my local shop and see if I could find a copy in like the dollar bin. You know. Well, oh, that would have been awesome. It, yeah, if you man. want it, it's three dollars on eBay. You can't see my screen, but it's no. three dollars. <laughs> yeah. Just you can get that right. You can do it on the podcast. Yeah, if you but want it. you got to find <laughs> it in the wild. Too, like, um, not to get too granular, but um, like when I ship comics from my comical company from legacy, like we, we charge like 10 bucks a ship because like we bag and board them. We put mm -hmm. them in Gemini wow. boxes and yeah. stuff because it's like, man, whenever you order, I've had so many horror stories mm -hmm. where I've ordered books from eBay and they put them in just like a little plastic bag or whatever. And it's just like, for me, I'll read it once and then it goes right in the long box and I mm -hmm. take super good care of it and stuff. But it's just like so many times when I, I bought comics off of Amazon or eBay, they were just destroyed. So like I've made sure every comic that like gets bought off legacycomics.com is bagged, boarded, legacy, uh, what's it called? Uh, Gemini box. Like it, it will survive like a nuclear Holocaust. You <laughs> That's know? So awesome. It's like, uh, but yeah, so I, I've wanted to buy a copy off of eBay for quite some time. But if I ever see one in an LCS in a local comic book shop, yeah, it's mine. I'm taking it home. That's what I'm saying. You got to find it in the wild, mm -hmm. right? That way mm -hmm. you see it. Yep. It's in your hand. You know what you're getting. You get the it's board the same with thing. it. They have those uh, those new Marvel Legends figures out there, mm -hmm. like the Venom and, and Wolverine ones. And I want them terribly, but I want it in the wild. I want that feeling of like when I was a little kid and would see it on the store shelf. I want right. to pull it off. I don't want to have like the Amazon box come to the house. Yeah. It takes yeah. away all the fun. You know, so yeah, it's the experience for sure, for sure. Yep, yeah, very cool. Also, I know you're a big fan of uh, Dark Hawk, and uh, I had more Super, than a yeah. few of those comic books. I love the crossovers they did with him and like Sleepwalker. They tried so hard, I mm -hmm. know. Yeah, yeah, they really did push him. I don't know why he didn't stick. He was a cool design, man. Cool yeah, design. Man. Oh. Yeah, yeah.
Anyway, <laughs> comic, we could talk about comic books all night, I'm sure. Yeah, man. We should just start a new podcast. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> That's a conversation for another day, Mike. Yeah. But uh, we'll move into my number five. My number five is Uncharted Lost Legacy. I think if we're talking about quality of the game with the female protagonist, I, there's not much I have to say to stick up for this one. It's an absolutely incredible adventure with two, count them, two female protagonists. Such a good time. Um, I already talked about in an earlier episode how much I love that final boss fight. I think it's just one of the most, like, you know, Uncharted always has this way for these big action set pieces and a way to build tension, but the feeling you get when you are beating up on the final boss is just like, oh, you feel every punch. You feel like when you get knocked down, you're yelling at the TV, like, get up, like, get up and punch this dude in his stupid face. And it was just so, like, I was so <laughs> engrossed in what was happening. Uh, and very few games have that effect on me. And I didn't expect it from an Uncharted because typically Uncharted games, like, yeah, it's cool. And you do the cutscenes, and it's cool to see. It's like you're watching an action movie. But this felt like I was in it. Like my, my heart was in it. My passion was in it. Like I wanted to kill this dude. <laughs> and I, it felt so good. It felt so good when I did, man. I'll tell you that much. But yeah, Uncharted Lost Legacy is my number five. All right. We're up to number four. Let's get it. So I'm going to get super um, obscure and go with Ruby Malone from Wet. If you guys have not played no. Wet on Xbox 360, she's voiced by the incredibly vivacious Eliza Dushku. And um, it's it's basically like a combination of like Stranglehold and Max Payne. It's a lot of fun gunplay. It's got this really sexy noir feel, excellent kill scenes and cut scenes. Um, and it's a game that just like kind of disappeared. Um it's definitely like a bargain bin game now, but it's still so much fun to play. And she was such a badass character. Man, this is neat. I've never heard of this game. Never. He's googling it now. I could see like the you see like the reflection. Yeah, the reflection light. on my screen. Yeah. So, so I've never played this game, but I have heard of it because I have a buddy who he's not into video games. He he doesn't play them. It just like his brother had like a PlayStation or something, but he was really into Elijah Dushku because he watched. <laughs> He watched Buffy that? and he watched Dollhouse. He was like really into 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 like that that uh mm -hmm. th into in, into like those TV shows. So he was like, "There's a yeah. video game that she's in." So he went yeah. out and I think that's she's maybe one of three games that he's played. That looks cool. <laughs> Very stylized. Yeah, super stylized. Like tons of like kind of like par parkour elements. She's sliding under, sliding and shooting at the same time. It's just yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. It's definitely like a timepiece game. Um, Definitely PS3, Xbox 360, like, you know, timepiece type of game. Right, right. You know? So, but uh, it was a lot of fun and uh, it's probably still fun to play today. But like I just said, for me, like I had a super huge crush on Eliza Dushku. Um, <laughs> but then I, I had followed the game in development for quite some time um, back in the day, like on GameSpot and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I picked it up like right away when it was out. And it certainly, certainly did not disappoint. If you like games like max pain you'll definitely like it oh that's cool yeah mm -hmm. yeah uh, i might even have it in emulation somewhere you never know <laughs> just have to boot it up all right mikey mm -hmm. okay cool so so number four I, i'd like to dedicate this one to brian prime the real brian <laughs> um g going off of that do you have a guess as to what my number four is if i'm dedicating this to brian Perfect Dark. Yes! Perfect Dark coming in at number four. I know my co-host. 
Um, at, at first I was debating just like for my own list, either I wasn't sure if Banjo Kazooie was cheating. I don't <laughs> I don't cheating. know if they're like <laughs> joint cheating, leads dude. or so I decided you're like, you know what, I'm gonna go perfect dark. I like that one probably even more, just Banjo Kazooie was the first one to come to mind. But um I never had the 64 growing up. I got into video games like a little bit like all my friends said 64. Like I'm into video games a little bit later. So like I'm I'm like 24, 25 at this point. Like I moved out. I'm in another state. And I asked to borrow my neighbor's Nintendo 64 so I could play Banjo Kazooie. And I'm like, yeah, I never had it as a kid. I wanted to play Banjo. And they're like, you've never played the 64. So for my birthday that year, they went out, got me a U64, and the one game they gave me was Perfect Dark. I'm like, this is perfect. So yeah, like for a while, cool. yeah, it's I, I'm I don't know. They're probably not listening to this, but I like to give a, a shout out to Stefan Amber, my neighbors who who got me the 64. Those are good but, neighbors, dude. Yeah, those are some great neighbors. So for a while, like Perfect Dark was the only game I had on the 64, like as an adult that I was playing. But then, speaking of emulation, I set up on my computer to play with mouse and keyboard, which is a little bit easier because it has like the dated control schemes for the 64. And it runs at like 60 FPS. It's like widescreen. You can do all the stuff to make it look nice. So like, it's a different experience, but it's like still very cool doing like the fancy emulation on on the computer. Well, Brian would be proud. Yep. I'm sure of it. Yeah, I'm more of a GoldenEye boy, but I, I like mm. Perfect Dark. Perfect Dark's good, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, can't pick GoldenEye, so I guess I'll give you this one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My number four, uh, I might catch some heat for this. Um, I don't know how you feel about it, Patrick, but my number four is the Resident Evil 3 make. Uh, I think a lot of critics didn't like this game. I, I know they hate it, but, like, critics be damned. This game was Absolutely, a blast. I agree. Yeah, it was a blast from beginning to end, and it didn't suffer from any pacing issues. Was it short? Yeah, it was probably pretty short, but it has replay value, and like there were never those lulls. There was never like downtime. You constantly were like moving through the game and never felt impeded in your progress, and that's important, I think, like in games. Um, and it played like an action movie, and I think the portrayal of Jill Valentine in this game was like all that 80s action star goodness. Like she had all the good one-liners. She just like kept getting back up every time she was knocked down. And like they really made her look like a badass from the get-go, right? She's like in her apartment and she's got, it's like totally 80s action movie cheese, dude. She's got like the half-eaten pizza on the counter with a bunch of beer (laughs) bottles, right? And it's like, I really appreciated that. They made her, even if it is a caricature of a person, they made mm-hmm. her a person in this game rather than just like, I'm a police officer. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, she overcomes insurmountable odds throughout the game. I mean, you do playing as her too. And she just comes across as capable. She's not afraid of the situation. She handles it. And the game itself, man, it's slick. It looks good. It just got a PS5 upgrade too. So if you if you have a PS5 and you have the PS4 version, get that PS5 upgrade and give it a shot because I hear now it has ray tracing and it it already looked good. Like that, uh, what is the RE engine is gorgeous. But to have an upgrade to that RE engine and see it in like the newer generation graphics is I, I'm probably going to play through it again. To be honest, I've already played through it three times. And the reason why I think I played through this more than I played through the Resident Evil 2 remake, even though like. Technically, I enjoy the Resident Evil 2 remake more. It's a 25-hour game. I could play through this game in three hours, four hours. Really? Yeah. A few nights. I mean, the first time, it'll probably take you like seven to ten hours. But 
once you know where to go and what to do and how mm-hmm. to solve the puzzles, it's like a three to four hour game. It's a quick experience and it plays like an action movie. So it's, it's like, it's like rewatching a good action movie, but you get to interact <laughs> with it, you know? Uh, but yeah, the resident evil three make, man, I love that game. I just want to say for the record, I am so happy that you said critics be damned. Um, <laughs> I have nothing against critics. I mean, I own an entertainment website for 15 years, reviewfix.com. That's what I started doing 15 years ago like 16 years ago when i first started doing all this but since i started writing the minds behind the games books i'm just like oh my god instead of like being beholden to a rating score Mm -hmm. trying to get as much information about the game as possible and trying to appreciate the quirks of a game the bad things and the good things is so much cooler than just being like oh well alex navarro said this or you know andy you know reiner said this and i love both of them i think they're both amazing but it's just like so many times in my experiences i've come across people that will go that game sucks and i'll go have you ever played it and they'll go oh no but ign gave it you know seven so you know blah, blah blah so i love the fact that you are like listen I don't really care what everyone says. I enjoyed the game. I know it's not perfect, but I got something out of it. Like for me, those are like the types of gamers that like I have the most respect for. So yeah, super cool that you. Well, that I appreciate you that. that, man. I mean, you just did it with Wet, right? Like yeah, mm-hmm. oh yeah. Um, yeah. That wasn't a game that people remember or think fondly of, or you know, mm-hmm. if you talk to somebody who hasn't played it and they remember the game, they're probably going to say, "Oh, it wasn't good." But like, I want to give it a shot. Why not? Because yeah. I, I think people miss the point that there a game doesn't have to be perfect, right? So many games now, like, oh, it has, it has to be that that high standard of perfection. And and there are games out there that come close to it. But like, we accepted the jank with the good back in the day, mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. games had a lot yeah. of jank for a long Absolutely. time, and there was no such thing as patches. No, you right. you got stuck with it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yep, yeah. So. Back in my day, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Back in but my it's day. true. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. true, man. Hell yeah, yeah. All right, top three. Here we go. Let's let's get into it. So I'm going to go with uh, Tomb Raider two, um, just for the simple fact that like Tomb Raider two takes like a really cool concept of Tomb Raider and then just adds so many extra things to the to the gameplay formula. And then like Tomb Raider two is known for that swinging ponytail, mm-hmm. uh, ladder swinging ponytail, and just um. You didn't get that in PlayStation 1 games. You didn't get that level of detail. Um, And they added vehicles to the mix and things like that. So I just feel like for a PlayStation 1 adventure, Tomb Raider 2 just took the ball that like Tomb Raider 1 had and just took it to unparalleled levels at the time. And that, that, I mean, I feel like Tomb Raider 2, if you don't have a game, if you don't have that game, there's so many games that you don't get because of that. (laughs) You know, like it made it made sure that like the original Tomb Raider wasn't just a facade or just like some sexy hot character. It it added so much more substance and backstory and it made, it made the female character so much more viable in gaming than if it would have just been a one-off. That's true. I mean, yeah. Laura Croft is a big reason female protagonists had a push. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it's interesting. If I remember correctly, that ponytail had like physics to it. It wasn't like a yes. canned animation, right? Yeah. Yeah, Man. absolutely. It's so funny too. Cause like, again, in my book interview, the lead designer of uh, Tomb Raider two, and he was just like, yeah, man, we had to do something different with Lara. So we added the ponytail and it was, it was not easy. Right. You know? So there's like three paragraphs in the chapter about the ponytail. That's cool. <laughs> how, how they got it to work. Yeah. So man, so crazy. That's, yeah, that's going to be a good read for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. It's, I just wonder like, 
because back then they didn't like that that's before you know um what do they call them like ragdoll physics and all that mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. that stuff wasn't oh, yeah. in game so i wonder if this was like a precursor to that in some way like how things move naturally in the environment like i can't think of a physics engine similar to it before then right yeah yeah. yeah, and then it's it's so funny too because it's just like as time goes on, it's like um for my PS2 book that I just finished, I interviewed the the lead level designer of Sly Cooper, mm-hmm. and um Ooh. and he was like the character animations in that game were have actually been reused several times, and um oh my god the name just it totally blew my mind uh what was the last game that that company did uh Sekiro, no it wasn't Sekiro. Um, it was like the Japanese um, samurai game. Ghost of Tsushima. Oh, Ghost of Tsushima. Ghost of yeah, Tsushima. that's right. They, they, so they, the yeah, same the same animations for Sly are used in that game. Really? For the, for the samurai armor. The same exact animations, the same code and everything. Wow. So just like, I am sure that like that ponytail was the the beginning blocks for so many cool mm-hmm. animations from other teams moving forward. And the thing is too, the funny thing is like a lot of game developers share their code. So like, right. I'll give you guys like another example, like in basketball games, um, like the bulls versus the Lakers games um, mm-hmm. for the EA games, those kind of like innovated the camera following the bowl. Right. Instead of the camera being fixed, fixed in one place. Mm-hmm. Um and those developers were like, whenever somebody else was making a basketball game, if they came to them, they're like, oh, you want the code? Yeah, go ahead. Here, take it. <laughs> That's cool. So it would be, yeah. that would not happen today, right? you know, but it happened back then. So it's just like, yeah. So Clara's ponytail is just like a story within itself. And um, it's definitely like one of the reasons why that character has like stood the test of time, because not only was she beautiful in the polygonal, you know, um, <laughs> pectoral muscles and things like that, but <laughs> she had like a really cool ponytail, you right. know? So, yeah. That's oh, neat, yeah. And uh, no wonder games came out faster. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like they, they had the cheats, man. Hey, let me get this. I just want to use this. Like you call a bunch of different, uh, you know, developers, yeah. and I want this code and this code and this code. And so, there you go, throw it together. You gotta I, I, get... I want to copy your homework. Just slide it over. <laughs> well, it's like I mean, it's like now in Unity, you have so many developers un- using Unity, and they're using preset animations, right. and things like that. Like I mean, you have a lot of comic book artists now that use Clip Studio, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, they're not drawing every individual like narration box, which is like, there's so many like easy cheats that like the old, like think of it this way. And I've had so many conversations with Atari 2600 developers over my, you know, years in journalism and an Atari 2600 game is 4k. Right. RAM. It's nothing. They would have every line of assembly memorized in their head. So they would have their entire game assembly language memorized in their head. <laughs> That's incredible. Those people can't, you can't, that can't be replicated now. So, no. so yeah. So, but yeah, Tomb Raider, definitely cool timepiece. And she's, I mean, Lara is an amazing character. She just transcends pop culture. She's been in everything, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So it's the truth. Yeah. yeah. Great pick. Great protagonist. Yeah. Thank you. Coming in at number three. Number three. Oh, Thank look, you. we got the voice actor. Yeah, get it. <laughs> oh, hey, yeah. Um, so I'm going to need you to record, uh, say something like that, uh, going through ten through one, right? And then an honorable <laughs> mention, real quick. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that was great, though. I, I feel like it definitely upped the level of, of this podcast. I was like, 
Person's oh, right. Like, oh, oh, that's what he's doing. Yeah. Just like <laughs> I, I felt I felt it. it. It feels good. It feels good. After every podcast, I do bumps. So if you guys need me to do a bump, don't worry. <laughs> you are now listening to the, you know, like it's not. A oh, that's cool. Don't about it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we got. A, I mean, we've got an intro from a friend of Brian's, uh, and he's got an announcer voice, man, and mm, he nice. doesn't do it for a living. And I'm, I'm like, you, could, you could do this for a living. Like, you yeah. got the voice for it. You yeah, know? man. Hell yeah. yeah. Uh, if you two are done interrupting me now, can I, can I get back to my list? You talking to me? I suppose. You're talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> I okay, mean, it, it, if you guys want to keep going for the rest of the night, just. I'm down, but I know you're a busy man. I just. <laughs> he said he didn't sleep. Yes, but uh, coming in my number three, I have a Metroid Prime. Um, I I think uh, Samus, super big character, and I'm not much of a Metroidvania person. So like the old school, like the Super Metroids, traveling around, I get lost a lot. I lose interest when they switch to first person shooter. Oh, now you have my interest. Also, I didn't have the Super Nintendo growing up. But I had the Wii, so I was able to play the GameCube versions. I was able to get like the trilogy for the Wii. And like I know people don't necessarily like the Wii mote. It was a lot of fun with the Wii mote, like to, to point and shoot and like uh, uh, Ryan's making eyes. <laughs> Does he nah, not I like mean, the like, Wii mote? <laughs> I don't know. I look, I rushed out to get a Wii. I I wanted it. I was on a waiting list. Like I I can speak now as though I didn't like the Wii. It had its faults, but like I was very much <laughs> a ton aboard of the shovelware. Wii. <clears throat> yeah, a ton of shovelware. Yeah. Like way more shovelware than good games. Mm-hmm. But I was definitely on the Wii hype train back in the day. So I just think of like Metroid Prime as one of those games Nintendo took an extreme chance with Retro mm-hmm. Studios. Oh um, gosh. They, just, yeah. they gave Retro Studios the key to the uh to the castle on that one and those guys had no those guys could not finish a game before then they had so many canceled games um i actually need to be one of the level designers of of the first metroid prime for uh for my minds behind the shooter's uh, book and uh, he had some really tony giovannini he had a lot of input like uh how samus turns into a bull super early in the mm-hmm. in the game that was not supposed to be and he was like yeah we should turn her into a bull really quick because if we go from first person to the bull people will kind of like be reminded of you know old school metroid so we should totally do that so i really think those metroid prime games um scratched an itch that a lot of people wouldn't have even gone for if the game just stayed mm-hmm. in you know the typical metroidvania format so yeah he nailed it that's a great pick yeah no i i, I love metroid prime is I'll that better it. can i interrupt you now you me a is that okay I, I promise i won't i won't be offended if you interrupt me i can't speak for brian too over here come on brian <laughs> all right so maybe it's recency bias maybe but my number three is the Horizon series. And specifically, I'm going to go with Forbidden West. Um, I did like just play through Forbidden West. So it very well could be recency bias. But like, gosh, I loved this game. I, I, and I, I'm not a big open world guy. I, I very much was feeling open world fatigue after playing Elden Ring. I put about 80 plus hours into beating that. And it's, it's a big world in Elden Ring. And uh, I didn't think I had another open world in me before a year end it's just it's a lot but the the world of forbidden west is so beautiful and they do such a better job of making traversal easier in this and yeah it it has the complaint that a lot of people have with open world games like oh it's just a big empty world and it depends on what you consider empty there's there are always enemies you're facing or side quests you run into in the wild 
but that's what you're going to run into in the wild in between your main missions, right? So if you consider that to be filler and empty, sure. But you can move past that stuff and get to the missions. That's what I did. I, I mainlined this, um, and I thought it was an enjoyable experience. It wasn't like getting to the next mission, regardless of distance, wasn't a chore because the environments in this game are so cool. You're a thousand years removed from the collapse of civilization. So even when you're in the middle of nowhere, just a jungle and you see a building, you immediately think like, like you're an explorer at that point, right? You're no longer like, I just want to kill robot dinosaurs. You're like, I want to find out what's in that building. Like I want to find out about the people who were in that building and their backstory. And it, it gives you that stuff. It gives you audio logs. It gives you, you know, text logs and all that. And it really does a good job of building that world out. There were some truly like memorable moments that will stick with me. Oh, a feeling. You mean you finally had one? Huh. It has a it has multiple moments like that and I just like the way they portray civilization a thousand years in the future and how they all interact with the memories of the past prior to its fall, you know. Uh and Aloy herself I mean, I don't, I don't have to say much more about her. I talked about her in the, in the beginning of the episode, but yeah, she is a character in this and she very much comes into her own and, and she's headstrong to almost to a fault. And I kind of appreciate that. Uh, she's single-mindedness and carrying out good. And I like idealistic people in that way. Like my favorite comic book cap character is Captain America. And it's because like he does the moral good. Right, he doesn't care about the repercussions. He doesn't. Mm-hmm. He doesn't think necessarily think that far ahead. He may think that far ahead, but he doesn't care. He he will always do what's right. And Aloy comes across as a similar good, where she she understands what the possible consequences are, but it doesn't matter. She will make the correct decision, and uh, I like that in characters. And it, it also does a good job of portraying those characters as having faults, like. The narrative is never like, oh, she's making the right decision. It's like, oh, like you're doing the moral good, but there are going to be repercussions because you're choosing that. And I appreciate games that have that. So yeah, Horizon Forbidden West, if you haven't played it, go play that game. It's good. It's a good game. Is it just for PS5 or is it also PS4 and PS5? It's on PS4 and PS5. It's one of those cross-generational games. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know what it'll be like on PS4. Because <laughs> I, I don't have a PS5, but I, I was, I, I figured it would come up on, on someone's list and I was interested to see if I could play the new one because I know you were talking about it on a previous episode. And I know Brian really likes it. And, and the two of you piqued my interest to see if I could get it for a PS4, but we'll see. Yeah. I would say um, it's probably going to run great. It's a first party Sony studio. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure it'll run great on a PS4. You could probably watch a YouTube video of the cutscenes of the first game and then play the second game because the, okay. the second game improves upon the mechanics of the first game in every way, nice. every single way. Yeah, yeah. All right, we're at our number twos. Number two. So I've got to shuffle a little bit. Right. And I, I made sure. I'm, I'm I sorry to interrupt you, Patrick, but it's my turn to interrupt. I'm going to do this. You ready? <laughs> yeah, you tell me how I am as a professional yeah, voice actor. Number two. <laughs> Number two. Much better. That's much better, oh, Patrick. Yeah. That, that was the most <laughs> number two sounding thing you've ever said. I you said that and I imagined you just like I don't know, like like listening to like 
no effects or something skateboarding <laughs> by me when you said number two it's just like <laughs> <laughs> where ryan is skateboarding past brian <laughs> there you go yeah, per- right. perfect <laughs> well we all know who the professional voice actor is yeah. here <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. um i had to shuffle a little bit because we had a samus in there and uh but I made sure I had some uh, some backups and stuff like that. But uh, again, oh, I don't have backups. Good. I'm not letting anybody deter me. My oh, list. I just figured, yeah, we can get as many different games oh, as okay. possible. I appreciate that. I, um, I, no, it's no problem. Um, I'm going to go with Ellie from The Last of Us just for the. I mean, it had a super important role in my career in journalism. I was an editor at NBC for about a year, and um, I was so bored. And I'll never forget. I was in the bathroom. And uh, my my boss had come in, and uh, we're like both washing our hands at the same time. He's like, "Oh, how you doing?" I'm just like, "Dude, I'm bored. I'm like, I want to go. I don't want to be here anymore." And he's like, "What?" And I'm just like, "I'm just bored. There's nothing to do here." And he's like, "Well, what do you want to do?" And I'm like, "I want to write hockey. I want to write video games. I want to write comic books." And he's just like, "Well, pitch me something." Like in the bathroom, he's like, "Pitch mm-hmm. me something. What do you got?" And I'm like, "Tomorrow they're gonna have uh, Sony's gonna be in a hotel in uh, Bryant Park." And they're going to have uh, what is probably going to be the last great game on the PS3, um, The Last of Us. And he's like, The Last of Us? I'm just like, just let me go. Let me write it up. I guarantee I can get us some traffic. And I ended up going there and they had God of War um, as well. So I ended up like just banging out those articles. And I was like off to the races after that. They let me write the last two years that I was there, whatever video game stuff that I wanted to write. Um, <laughs> That's so just so like cool, I, man. Every time The Last of Us is mentioned, I'm just like, that game really like change my life it's a great game by itself um but i just feel like the character development's really strong and um it's just a really like it was a really fun game at a, at a really good time in gaming you know mm-hmm. um and ellie's just super super like i just she reminds me a lot of like clementine from the oh, Walking yeah. Dead. Yeah, just this coming of age character, and you mentioned alien isolation as well, where you just see this woman that appears this way, or girl that appears this way, and then just grows into something completely different by the end. And it's just like you got to respect that, you yeah. know. So, uh, so yeah, Ellie, Ellie is my number two. I love it. That Last of Us is my favorite series, and uh, especially in that first game uh, with her quips. I like Ellie, I'd hang out with Ellie. She's funny. Yeah, so I'll get out. Like, yeah, yep. yeah. Man, what a good pick! And uh, we got a little Patrick origin story. I like that. Yeah, that's very cool, man. So you just went and did it, and the rest yeah. kind of unfolded for yeah. you. And then it was just like you know, because I, I I was getting pitched by like EA and Sony and Capcom all the time, like because I was an editor at NBC and they knew because I run my own entertainment website, and they were like, oh, we know you're NBC now. Do you want to? come to the sonic lost worlds event you and i was like i can't they won't let me cover it blah blah blah. and then i just got to the point i was like popeye stands till i can't stands no more and uh i told my boss i was like listen you gotta let me cover video games you know and then uh, so it was like the last of us god of war ascension sonic lost worlds guitar hero like all that stuff uh the first ufc game like it was just like everything just started happening all at once and within like my last 20 months at NBC, I must have covered like 60 games. It was so much fun. Like 2K flew me out to play WWE. Like, wow. A, like I, I, I was in, I, I sat next to Jerry Lawler for SummerSlam <laughs> when, uh, when Daniel Bryan won the title and then got screwed by Triple H. So it's just like, it was all because of The Last of Us and me just watching the game like in development. And I reached out to Sony and um, 
I asked them if they were looking for anyone to cover it. And then they told me about, you know, the Brian Park event and I was going to do it for like review fix, but I was just like, oh, it would be so much better for NBC. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it was, and it just, it worked out. It just worked out beautifully. And then I got to interview Neil when they were doing the last of us comic for dark horse. So it was just like, everything came wow. full circle. So it was just so cool. Yeah. Wow. So. Dr. Uckman himself, Neil Druckmann. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Crazy. Dream come true, man. How cool. Yeah. Brian. That's awesome. I know it's hard to follow that one up, Mike. Yeah, good oh, luck. I, good luck, I, buddy. I, no, it's all good. Is, That's your number no, two. <laughs> that, that, was, that was a good one. And my number two was already discussed. I have the Horizon series at number two. Uh, cool. I, I played the first one. I really enjoyed the first one. That's why I'm interested in the second one. You did a fantastic job of summing everything up. I don't know if we need to go much into it, but like Horizon's fun. Um, I know the first one, it came out. I think a similar time to Breath of the Wild, and I played yes. that first. So there's a lot of. It was a week before. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> but yeah. I, so I knew there's a lot of comparisons there because I, I played Breath of the Wild first, but it, like a couple of years removed, I then played Horizon Zero Dawn. So like I can see some of the like, oh yeah, they're similar, but like I enjoyed that in its own right, not as like oh it's competing with Breath of the Wild. And I, I had a great time playing playing through playing through the first one on, on the yeah. PlayStation. Yeah. No. Um. It's a great pick. Uh, yeah, talk about the bad luck. But I think because of that, a lot of people experienced the first game in a similar way I did. I don't think people played it at launch. People had their eye on Breath of the Wild, and yeah. uh, that got a lot of that initial traction. And people came back to uh, Horizon because what they were hearing about it years later. For most people I talked to, they played it years after release mm-hmm. because... Yeah, everybody was dedicating their time to to Link, man, and, and Breath of the Wild, for and, sure. And then didn't a similar thing happen with two coming out like a week before uh, Elden Ring? Didn't the two of them come out at a similar time? Oh, yeah, that's true. They yeah. did. I actually, that's why I'm playing this now. I You're playing it now, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, I, was, I didn't wait years to play the sequel, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and get into my number two. These last two games are like two of my favorite games of all time. I should tell long-time listeners what they need to know, but my number two is actually Metroid Prime as well. Um, The Metroid series is great. I have to pick Metroid Prime because it's Mm -hmm. it's games with a female protagonist, and that is my favorite Metroid game and one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, In any Metroid game, though, Samus comes across as undeterred and relentless, right? Like she is very much – she doesn't complain. She doesn't really speak in most of the Metroid games, but she's very much like an unstoppable force mm-hmm. in every single Metroid. I think Dread uh, did have the best portrayal of Samus. You got a little more character development, very minor, but more than you get in prior games. And you get to see emotion from her, which is something you hadn't really experienced in the past. But yeah, as far as gameplay goes, Prime, I think it's excellent. You were able to interview the level, one of the level designers, because the level design in this game is mm-hmm. just incredible. People think of Metroid in 2D, and now we do have these 3D Metroidvanias, but to develop a world that operates in the same exact way that 2D Metroids operate... That is a task that hadn't really been done before when Metroid Prime came out. And these guys did it seamlessly. Like to revisit environments and be able to get to new areas based off of a weapon you have or a double jump or a new, you know, um, like a hook shot, right? 
that sort of level design wasn't really in place prior to this, not to the degree that Prime pulled it off. And uh, man, it really made for such a good experience that stayed true to the roots of Metroid, but just unfolded it into a whole new perspective. And I absolutely love Metroid Prime. Even going back to it, like some of the effects when you first land on the on the planet and you get the reflection of Samus's face in the visor mm-hmm. and the raindrops coming down it like that is still incredible to this day. And I remember seeing it for the first time when the game released and just like I never experienced anything like Metroid Prime. And it's one of those games that just like ugh, I can always go back to but the memory of that first playthrough is just so so good. Yeah, man, same here. Like um, when I was putting the chapter list together for the minds behind shooter games, I'm like, I have to get Metroid Prime. And the thing is, like, uh, Nintendo is very closed doors when it comes to speaking to any type of you know journalist about like legacy and history. So I was like super lucky that there was a a big you know, grouping of American developers that had worked on it. So I got, I got super lucky and I just reached out to the right people on LinkedIn and stuff like that. But yeah, man, Metroid Prime. If you don't like first person shooters, this is the first person shooter that you need to play that will get you hooked on the genre. You know, it's like the same way I know people that hate first person shooters, but they'll play Halo, you know, or Mm -hmm. people that don't like first person shooters, but like Medal of Honor, like underground really hit them hard because like the story and music was so amazing you know but like metroid prime is just one of those games that just transcends genre and does so many things beautifully yeah i agree i agree love this game (laughs) yeah (laughs) all right well i think we've all had very very solid lists up to Mm -hmm. this point um but there's one thing remaining and it is our final pick our number ones I'm going to pick a one that is probably going to shock you guys. And I'm going to explain myself. I'm going to say Miss Pac-Man. <laughs> and I'm going to say Miss Pac-Man because without Miss Pac-Man, maybe we don't have nearly as many female protagonists in games. Um, also, the fact that like Pac-Man was not ported properly on console for quite some time. And Miss Pac-Man is absolutely a better game than the original Pac-Man. And it's actually essentially a bootleg of Mm Pac-Man developed by a completely different team and developed by an American team um, that got into quite a little bit of legal issues because they were able to, you know, basically backwards engineer Pac-Man and and make it run better. So um, for me, those little cutscenes of pac-man and miss pac-man finding each other and kissing and stuff like that 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 may be the first kiss in video game history and also um it's so funny because i said i mean miss pac-man is as american as apple pie because that development team was american and Mm -hmm. pac-man is obviously japanese so it's like 
it's not only the first kiss in gaming history, but it might be the first biracial kiss in video game history too, where you have a Japanese Pac-Man and an American Miss Pac-Man kissing <laughs> on screen, you know? So it just, it's so many firsts, yeah. you know, um, in gaming history. So yeah, my first would be Miss Pac-Man. Breaking barriers for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, um, I know there's a very interesting development story behind that game. And, uh, yeah, uh, I think it was not only programmed better, like it didn't crash like Pac-Man did, but mm-hmm. uh, the ghosts behaved differently too. And they had different names too in Mrs. Pac-Man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's basically just better all around. <laughs> and like how many, I mean, sequels weren't huge back then. So yeah. not only did it have a female character, but it also was a sequel that wasn't a waste of time that didn't like totally reinvent the needle. It just made the needle that much sharper. So, I mean, it it set so many standards for future arcade games and for, I mean, all of the ports of Ms. Pac-Man play Mm -hmm. super solid too. So it's just like, it sets so many different standards in video game history. So, and it's basically just Pac-Man with a bow in her hair and some lipstick, but just gets it done. For sure. And I, I think it had better uh, cabinet art, too, on the arcade mm-hmm. cabinet. I mean, she was like, oh, check me out on the side. It was cool. <laughs> I yeah, remember man. being a kid, like, wanting to play Miss Pac-Man. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. cool. It's like, one of those, it's like one of those things, going through thinking of my list, I never would have thought to include Miss Pac-Man. Right. But hearing your explanation, I'm like, how did how did I not think of it? How, how did I not even come to my mind to put it on my list you know it's like oh great pick well it's like of course the gaming historian has oh, two yeah. rated two right <laughs> and mrs pac-man like of course it makes sense mm-hmm. it makes sense uh coming in at my number one uh i have portal and portal two uh i'm cheating a little bit portal one's kind of like a tech demo it's not like a full game but it's like a really unique experience and then portal two took everything and expanded upon it and made it a full game and like the combination of them, I think it's either my number two or my number three favorite game. Oh, it, it's my number three favorite game of all time. I, I love I love the Portal series. I remember borrowing the orange box from a friend in high school because I wanted to play I want to play Half-Life. So I'm playing Half-Life. I'm like, oh, what is this other game they included on it? Because Half-Life's a big deal. And then they have um and then they had Team Fortress 2, which was like already like a sequel, just like there was a fan base for that. And just it's this random tech demo and it opens up and you don't know what's going on. There's just a voiceover like it's just an, an experience that no one expected. And then Portal 2 comes around. And they're like, cool, here's some money. Here's a full story. Here's some extra uh, like modes uh, you, you can use to play. And like they just f- turned into a full fledged thing. And I loved it. It was so good. And just like shell even though she doesn't say much just like the way she interacts with 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 glados i think is like really interesting and just like the way she interacts with the world and the and the world building itself is so unique i just ugh, i i could go on forever about how much i love portal but yeah portal one portal two uh, they definitely took my number one spot there to the surprise of absolutely no one, <laughs> Mikey's number one is Portal. I'm kidding. I think you've, you've espoused your love for Portal on this show. Uh, I, 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 I and in remember, general. I, I know I've done it in general, and I was trying to remember, 
did did I rant about Portal last time I was on? Should I have picked a different game? And I no, couldn't remember no, no, if it no, was no. your podcast or a different podcast where I was just like, oh man, I love Portal. Just let's just yeah. talk about it. No, absolutely. <laughs> and like, you should never pick a different game. This is your list, Mike. So like, you you pick the game you want to pick, man. Don't let anybody tell you anything different. And I think it's a great pick. I think it's a great pick. Both games are great. And it is games with a female protagonist. So like, hey, there you go. They meet that mark. And uh yeah, Portal's a, a very, very good pick. No shame in that. <laughs> that being said, the real number one. No, I'm kidding. My number one. My number one is, uh, yeah, to the surprise of it's Mikey's Portal. It's uh, The Last of Us Part Two. Okay. It's like my favorite game of all time, dude. The edge of the universe and back. Uh, if we're talking about games right and it's like games with a female protagonist not only does it have ellie which like you know we talked about how great she is as a character it's also the game itself i would be hard pressed to think of a game that is developed better than the last of us part two that just has that level of attention to detail and is trying so many things i mean look no farther than the rope physics right like every single thing in this game makes that world believable, no matter how fantastic the situation is. And there's a story everywhere. There's environmental story, story, storytelling everywhere, character development everywhere. They divert expectations in this game. It takes you on a journey that you don't expect to go on. And I like when games do that. I know there's a, it catches a lot of heat because it wasn't what people expected. But I always like games that surprise me. And yes, like of course, there's a, a level of disappointment when you know things don't meet expectations. When there are things that I want to see happen that don't, or things I don't want to see happen that do. Like of course, there's disappointment. But you know what I like? I like when games make me feel something. <laughs> I like when yeah, movies exactly. make me feel something. I like when books make me feel something. And even if it's like a sadness or a frustration, if it's earned, and it's not just cheap thrills like all the better and this game has all of that in spades and uh man i just when i rolled credits on this game i sat for like 20 minutes thinking about what i just played through and it leaves you a little like scarred from the experience and that's the kind of shit i like dude like i like <laughs> i really do i like uh i like depressing things i like things that make me feel conflicted like i'm not sure how to feel and this is exactly what the last of us part two is yeah uh it is by far the, in my opinion the best game with a female protagonist and i go back and forth on this you were very clear about oh portal is my number two favorite game mm -hmm. i don't know if i could ever pick a favorite game right that would mm -hmm. change daily but i can guarantee that if any given day i had to come up with a top three this game would be on it right it might not always be number one but it would be up there every every single time i had to make a top three list so yeah the last of us part two i don't know how everybody feels about it but i know how i do <laughs> See, I think you get like it. I love when you were when you're talking about feeling because it's like I, I make a lot of pro wrestling analogies, and it's just like I love when you know my students or friends are like, "Oh, I hate that wrestler," and yeah. I'm like, "He wants you to hate him." Mm -hmm. 
he's winning. You're doing exactly what he wants, you know? And it's just like the fact that he's getting you to do exactly what he wants you to do just shows how good he is. Mm -hmm. And I think great video games, just the same way as great fiction Mm -hmm. has a level of suspense of disbelief. And you know that these characters are fake, that they don't exist, but damn, they're real to you in the moment. And Mm -hmm. they, you know, and like you care about them, you know, um, that's what great video games do. You know, it's like, I remember one time I'm in Chris Claremont's house and Chris Claremont is like, Oh my God. Oh my God. You just dropped this. Uh, You can't just just lead with that. Yeah. um, Okay. For context, if the listeners don't know, Chris Claremont is like the best X-Men writer of all time. He was the reason the X-Men became what they're known to be today. He was like one of the biggest names, like in the eight, like in comic books in the eighties, he was like, he he was the man. Yep. (laughs) Um, in his house and he's like got like 10 cats and he's got like inks all like inks of issues all over his house and stacks of comics and stuff like that and uh we go into his backyard and we're sitting in his backyard and we do the interview um and uh he's talking about wolverine and cyclops and storm and instead of saying wolverine cyclops and storm he's saying logan scott and aurora with such conviction and i remember at the time this was probably around i would say like 2009 or whatever and i was just like this guy's crazy Mm -hmm. but then it's just like no those now i know those characters are so real to him and that's why they feel the way they do when we read them you know so it's just like when you play the last of us the last of us 2 when you play final fantasy 7 when you play metroid prime those characters are damn real to you you know and it's so easy for, I mean, I'm a college professor. I've been a college professor for 16 years. And I, when my book started coming out, I would have other professors go, yeah, you got a book in Harvard, but it's about video games. And I would be like, hell yeah, it is. It. <laughs> I would just say, yeah, well, in my head, I would say, hell yeah, it is. But I would, I would tell them like, you don't get it. You don't get it. You will never get it. You know? So it's just like the mm-hmm. same way that like shakespeare affects you is the same way that like kratos affects somebody else Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and ellie and samus it's the same exact thing it's the same feeling it's the same fiction creation it's the same character development it's the same backstory it's the same world building it's all the same it's just presented in a different way Mm -hmm. i'm like you're 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 aging yourself you're making yourself obsolete you know so it's just like i love the fact that you appreciate storytelling and video games <laughs> like that like you just like your stock just went up like a thousand oh thanks man <laughs> i appreciate it well you know we can't all barbecue with chris claire but it's <laughs> a pretty cool story dude. it was a pretty wild moment man yeah. yeah yeah i mean and that's the thing like he shifted to me the way comic books were written because before that there was a level of corniness there was a level of cheese like Mm -hmm. it was almost the writers were aware they were writing a comic book character and he made them real people and you see that from that moment on from that era of the x-men on writers start making people like real characters and paying attention Mm to that um how cool but yeah it's uh you know brian and i in a prior episode uh the original brian brian prime uh, we had a conversation about media and like what media affects us the most. And it's an impossible decision. It really is. Super, yeah. Like I actually went with video games because it's interactive. That was my main choice. And like, but it, it it's it could be film, like it could be comic books, it could be anything. I have felt mm-hmm. extreme emotion from reading a comic book to playing a video game and everything in between. You know, and it, it, it's it goes with what you said. Like it's about 
making stories that are engaging and make you feel something. And yeah, it's it's talent regardless of the medium. Absolutely. And yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And you have books in Harvard, so take that. Like, yeah, not, not everybody <laughs> could say that, right? So, like, psh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, good job, dude. Good job. Thank well, you. excellent list. Excellent list. Uh, before we go ahead and get into our debrief, uh, I, would you like to shout out some of your upcoming projects? I know, I know you're doing WrestleQuest, and I'm going to be that guy. I would love to hear, like, the, do you do a Macho Man voice? Yeah, he's the main character. He's uh, right. There is a character that is the protege of the macho man randy savage um randy muchacho man santos and um (laughs) he is basically like in love with the macho man and he goes on embarks on his own you know quest in wrestling and he mirrors like macho man um so i play the voice i play the voice of over 100 characters in the game but yeah macho man is like kind of at the center of the uh of the universe so yeah um, so but before you yeah, do Mach the Man's voice one of my strongest voices yeah i was gonna say before you do the voice uh you know mikey here uh saw an interview with you where you had said macho man's your favorite wrestler of all time right how how does it feel voicing macho man At, like Isn't, that's got to be mind-blowing well it's not it's like if macho man is definitely like he's He's my t- in my top five. Like you said, how like you know your number one may change every day, but like right. regardless of the day, Macho Man Randy Savage, Jake the Snake Roberts, Diamond Dallas Page, those are like always going to be in my top five, mm-hmm. and I get to voice all three of them wow. in the game. Um, That's incredible. And um, oh my god, it's such a funny side story. I got to meet Jake the Snake. Um, we did a Skybound um panel, and. Uh, I had to thank him for my job as a college professor. And he was like, excuse me. Um, and I said, sir, I have to thank you because I wouldn't be a college professor without you. And he's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, um, so I'm six foot four, um, 260 pounds, big boy. And um, in my interview to become a college professor, I had um, one of the people interviewing me say, you know, you're kind of big. If a student got in your face, what would you do? And I was 22, just got my bachelor's degree, and I was kind of shocked that I would be asked a question like that. Mm-hmm. So, like in milliseconds, I just looked this woman dead in the face, and I go, "My father told me a long time ago that if I have something important to say, I never have to raise my voice." And the woman just went, "Oh my god!" And I got the job. And in my head, I'm just like, I just quoted Jake the Snake Roberts. <laughs> then Jake was like, Oh, so you owe me I you you owe me everything. And I'm like, yeah. Yes, sir, I owe you everything. <laughs> you know, so uh this game has been like a dream come true. I've been on the team for about 18 months. Um, the game's been in development for over three and a half years. So it's got over 40 hours of gameplay, 12 playable characters, over 30 licensed professional wrestling legends in the game. It's got a soundtrack with over 40 tracks. If you look at it, you say to yourself, you know what? This is just like a really cute homage to like Earthbound and Mario RPG and stuff like that. But like under the hood, it's so much more than that. Like it takes the traditional Japanese turn-based RPG and adds wrestling elements. Like if you hit a guy hard enough, they bounce off the ropes and you can hit him again. When the guy has no hit points left, you have to actually pin him. There's a pinning engine. Um, Before matches, you have promos and that affects like the height meter in the game, which allows you to pull off like you know better moves than you would have normally so it just like it come i tell everyone it's an rpg that never forgets that it's an rpg but it's also a wrestling game that never forgets that it's a wrestling game and uh just like quick shout out like 
the story of this game is probably just as long as any book that I've ever written. And uh, Zach Manko, who's in charge of creative for uh, Mega Cat Studios, is one of the most gifted um, writers in video games today. And people are going to get like an absolute like welcome into like his world. If you don't know who he is, you should totally look him up. Zach Manko, super, super talented writer. The same thing. The music um, in this game is amazing. There's so many bells and whistles and like beautiful homages to professional wrestling and rpgs in this game like i'm super i've worked on like a little bit over 15 games over the past five years as a voice actor as as a writer as a dialogue editor um and this is one that like if i never do another game again i'm okay with that because i'm so i'm so proud of like this team and how far how hard they work and how far they come and like any other team would have asked me to dress up like the macho man randy savage or pax west i would say (laughs) hell no but um i was like i was honored to do it i had a blast so you looked great too (laughs) you wore it well you wore it well Uh, i could tell your your passion behind the project man and uh just from the stuff i've looked up online it looks it looks like a labor of love it looks like the right people are behind it like they're they really want to convey that homage to the heyday of of wrestling Mm and and uh yeah it looks great i'm really looking forward to it no joke i'm i'm day one day one man it's got such a great roster and then like you know just like i mean jeff jarrett is the executive producer on the game so it just like yeah that says a lot you know and uh like i said every time i play it and i hear my voice i'm just like wow i'm i'm like gonna be a part of this like oh not even that i'm going to be like i am i am like a legit part of it you know and uh i'm like super honored that they picked me it's just so funny it's just a testament to like letting the right people know who you are and like what you do like i had just done voiceover on the padre on ps4 and xbox and steam and stuff like that and that game did okay but it was just more like an indie darling and uh the ceo of mega cat who i've interacted with several times over the past like you know six to eight years is like oh you do voice acting now and i'm like yeah and he's just like because i've interviewed over 100 professional wrestlers before um my master's thesis was on professional wrestling wow. um so it was just like can you do macho man randy savage i'm like absolutely and it was just like you know and now two i did a panel with these guys at pax east i did a panel with them at pax west so it's just like we are moving and grooving like i'm super thankful of the responsibility and trust that they've given me over the past 18 months it's been it's been an honor that's awesome man that's so cool so i i do i do want to hear the macho man voice (laughs) Okay. If, if you so, if you don't mind yeah i can do it um it's it's 10 o'clock here and my kids are sleeping oh i'm so sorry <laughs> yeah oh that's... i am the creamier the cream of the crop and there is no one that does it better than the macho man randy savage on balance off balance doesn't matter how bitter than you are oh yeah can you dig it I love it. I love it, man. Yeah, Rowdy, Rowdy is going to yell at me. So I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> wake it's up. Okay. Hey, listen. If you could just wake your kids up for yeah. our podcast, right? Like, <laughs> ugh, hate to be it was that so guy. funny because, like, I, when I came back from Pax West, I came back probably at like midnight on Monday, and then Tuesday, my daughter was walking around in my cosplay, Aww. and uh, and she was doing, oh yeah, you know. So oh, that's so, great, dude. It was so funny. Yeah. yeah, she tells people about like WrestleQuest and stuff like that Aww. all the time. So it's super. You know, again, yeah. like I said, it's an honor. It's guys, and I'm not saying, and this is the thing though, too. Like, I've worked on games that, like, if people go, Oh, you worked on that game, I'll go, Yeah. <laughs> but it's just like WrestleQuest. I mean, yeah. 
if I did not do a single voice on WrestleQuest, I would still want to play it. And whenever yeah. there wasn't, there was somebody that wasn't like the line was packed all through PAX West. So like whenever I could like get my hands on it just to like play a couple of seconds, I would just because it's it's literally so much fun. Like if you love Paper Mario, if you love the original Dragon Warrior, if you even love Pokemon, like there's an element to me. It feels like I get that same feeling in my chest when I'm trying to pin somebody in this game as I do trying to catch Pokemon. Oh, right. Pokemon Red and Blue. You know, like that anticipation of like, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So good. Very cool. No, I'm 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 excited for the game for sure. I love turn-based RPGs too. It's pretty much if I'm gonna play an RPG, it's gonna be turn-based. I I don't. I like some action RPG, but if the combat's off, like it's hard to stick with that. Mm-hmm. Turn-based is tried and true, man, for sure. Mm-hmm. For Absolutely. sure. I I had a question for you. So so I, I want I want to prepare a little bit. So I listened to the episodes of Talking Comics that were on the Legacy Comics YouTube, and there was mm-hmm. one quote you had that stood out to me. And you said video games and comic books go beautifully together. And I'm like, I love video games and I love comic books. So I, I had two questions for you and they kind of tie into each other. Um, there's actually a list off episode of the five superheroes you want to see have a video game in the future. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who would what one superhero or superhero team that doesn't have a video game would you love to see get a video game like down the line? So there's an image comic book uh, character that um, is kind of making a return. Um, he had a Super Nintendo game that was canceled, and he looks incredibly similar to Wolverine, but he has HIV. So Shadowhawk, um, just like super cool character that I think would be a great video game character. Also, like I mentioned Darkhawk before, like this is a character that could just do so many cool things, has so many cool powers. Like we have an Iron Man VR game, but we don't have a Darkhawk game. Like what the hell? I think Silver Surfer is way overdue for his own, you know, game, like new game. Everyone talks smack about the NES game, which isn't necessarily a terrible game. It's just way too hard for most people. Mm -hmm. Um, hmm, That's a great question. Those good picks, man. But yeah, those, those guys, those immediately like come to mind i think spawn is de- like we need a, a great spawn game yeah. one day there's a couple of decent spawn games but there's not a great spawn game mm-hmm. you know like if they were able to do if they were able to do a spawn game as well as they did the darkness game oh i would be super happy yeah so. i remember Shadowhawk. yeah and no anytime he was like bleeding it would be like oh like oh my blood like he would like it would add this yeah, level of yeah like hmm. concern right that's yep. good Good stuff, yeah, yeah for sure. And, and I got one more question for you r- related to comic books and video games. If you could, this is going to tie in all three of them. I'm going to include your voice acting. If mm-hmm. you could voice one superhero in a video game, who would it be? So, as a part of our Kickstarter, the Legacy Comics Kickstarter, we mm-hmm. did like a Condry Zero like motion comic, and I voiced like the main character of Condry. Nice. Okay. Um, but then also to um, we had um some preliminary discussions about a Condry Genesis beat em up and like music was uh, designed, character designs were created. Um, we're still working on getting a programmer, but I've been actively speaking to a developer for quite some time. So Condry is essentially the story of like a homeless man in New York city that is trying to find out who killed his father. Um, and it's super gritty. It's super Frank Miller, but just imagine like a black and white and red, beat him up 
you know, just like mm-hmm. a screen covered in blood, but like black and white, like very cool. small touches of color. Like that's that's basically like what I would I'd love for that. I'd love for that to happen. I nice. and I'd love to do the voice of the character that I created. So that everything would kind of come full circle. What was that Wii game that was like black and white with uh, red? You know what I mean? The guy that, that was chains- that mad uh Mad World. Mad was World. It? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was it was right. Mad World and then he appeared again in like some crossover game something with the word armageddon in, in the, the title i think the world's due for that kind of game though it yeah. would be cool to see man it would be cool sure. to see all right well i appreciate that is there anything else you want to give a quick shout out to before we get into our debrief not just uh you know like i said i'm the editor-in-chief and owner of uh, legacy comics um we released two great books this summer um we have six books coming out this fall um basically something for everyone i mean uh we have the first uh, full issue of the job. So if you guys have never heard of the job, it's about a pro wrestling jobber that loses every match, but he has a hot wife and a great car. And people are always like, well, if you lose every match, you're not making a lot of money. How can you afford to have a great car and a hot wife and stuff? And he's like, I rob banks. And, um, <laughs> and his wife is his getaway driver. Um, so it's got like this kind of like dog day afternoon point break meets like Mickey Rourke's the wrestler thing going on. So like, it's going to be our first issue of that. We just signed a deal with Jambone Pictures um, and we're going to do a comic based on their wrestling documentary, uh, Gia and Frankie. Um, So that's going to be really cool. We've got like kind of like the Streets of Rage um, comic called The Legend of the Night Owl, which is just about like the dilapidated streets of Brooklyn that are like gang ridden and this family that is just like taking the streets back, like one ass kicking at a time. So that's coming out. And we've got... um. We've got an amazing artist from DC and Marvel that I can't announce yet that's going to do the, the cover for us. Um, so Legacy Comics, C-O-M-I-X dot com. We've got tons of cool stuff. We're tr- we, our Kickstarter was funded in less than four hours um, in November, and we've been uh, we've been doing really well. That is like kind of like my passion project in addition to obviously the minds behind the games books. Uh, the minds behind Sega Genesis games just came out like a month and a half ago. Uh, it was delayed by COVID, but it's got 43 games in it. Um, some amazing developer interviews in there. The Minds Behind Sony PlayStation games comes out in about a month, and that's got 43 games in it. And then next year, The Minds Behind PlayStation 2 games comes out, and that has 36 games in it, uh, over 65 interviews. So um, I'm super excited for the future. Man, that is incredible stuff. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Yeah, definitely go check that stuff out. All right, guys, it's that time. It's getting late, and it's time to debrief. So is there one thing that you'd like to recommend to our listeners outside of gaming, just anything uh, anything that they might have interest in? I will say that like um, professional wrestling, the last like three weeks has been so much better than it has been like the last three years. I've heard. Um, I've heard. Triple H has taken over, right? Absolutely. And then like AEW is just a complete like hot mess, but it's just been so much fun to watch. Like they AEW, they just basically stripped their world heavyweight champion and their trios champion because of all the backstage drama and stuff. But it's just like that level of unpredictability. That's that um, suspense of disbelief mm-hmm. um, is definitely back in pro wrestling. And I mean, there was a time maybe like two years ago and like the beginning of COVID where like, I could kind of like close my eyes and call a match. Like this guy is going to do this. This is going to do that. They're going to do this. And now it's like the past, like three weeks, month, ever since Vince McMahon has kind of been pushed out of WWE, 
there's been like a level of unpredictability to the point where it's just like it's so much fun to watch like i, I feel like i'm like 14 or 15 yeah. again so so yeah so if you've been skipping pro wrestling or you feel like you know like you, you haven't watched it since you were a kid like uh it's a definitely a fun time to jump back in i'm i'm actually considering it because i did love the attitude era you know that was like the that was the prime of of wrestling to me and uh yeah i definitely went away from it but there was fun times back then you never know who was going to storm the stage you know mm -hmm. yeah very cool good pick all right how about you mikey uh i'm gonna go there's a little bit of a story to this but i'm just gonna broadly say go support the local arts um i i was at an ice cream shop the other day and there there's a dude in like in the ice cream shop in a chair with a little bowl and he's got like full-on like king diamond like death metal face paint and i'm like hey man what's up he's like yeah duh. my high school band's gonna play in the back of the ice cream shop you should come i'm like what your band's playing an ice cream shop and like i i couldn't stick around it was a like I, I had stuff to do, but like I bought a ticket for five bucks. I'm like, yeah, dude, just go rock out an ice cream shop. And then on the drive home, I pat. I literally live three blocks from here and I only just found it. There's like a local art space venue and they were doing like a showing of a bunch of just like like high school and college kids arts from the neighborhood. And they were doing like a fundraiser for something. And there's like an art space. And I never realized that like my town had so much just like local artists doing their own thing. And I thought that was really cool. And like, I'm assuming if you're listening to this podcast, you're either a fan of like small and indie podcasts or small and indie comics. You're just like, you like supporting and like helping out the little guy. I'm sure there's some band or some artist or some author from your town trying to make a big deal. Help, help him out. Just like, it could be, it could be great. Who knows? Just go support the local arts. Yeah, I think that's a great pick. I'm actually going to piggyback off that because my debrief is to uh, check out Patrick's stuff. <laughs> yes. It really is. Go to yeah. legacycomics.com. Check it out. Uh, check out WrestleQuest. You know, go ahead and get look at the minds behind the game series. Yeah, you want to you want to check out a local or indie artist? Like, start with Patrick, man. Check his stuff out. He puts a lot of work into it, and it's good stuff. Thank you guys, man. I mean, that means so much. It's like, I try and explain to people all the time. Cause it's just like, you're having conversations with people and you're trying to explain how much work goes into like, mm -hmm. I mean, interviewing one game developer for like a half a chapter of one of the books takes like six hours. And then you're talking like, I interview like 65 people for every book. And then I yeah. have to sit down and actually write after that. So it's just like, um, it's just like a labor of love. It's super time intensive. You know, and then like, I mean, true story. Um, my son is two and he was born like during the height of COVID. Mm -hmm. So they wouldn't let me in triage until like my wife was like ready. So I'm I'm literally sitting in the waiting room and I have my RG three fifty and I'm playing Parasite Eve for research because I'm into I interviewed Charles Benady for the book and stuff like that. And uh just hoping my wife was okay. Yeah. And I'm texting her and she's like, just relax, everything's okay, I'm fine, blah 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 blah. And then I'll never forget it. It's like, you know, 11 o'clock at night or whatever. And um, Charles sent his questions back, like his answers back. And I literally started writing that chapter while I was waiting for my son to be born, you know? Wow. So, and, and it's just like, I mean, like that was for the Minds Behind PlayStation books, but like the, my first book, like the Minds Behind the Games, the first one, like I, I had realized probably like 75% through the, the writing of the book that like, I did not indent for any paragraph. 
um, that I was writing it. Like I was writing an internet article where you just skip a space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm like, Oh my God, I have to go back and indent every single paragraph. So my mom was fighting breast cancer and I would go to work and then I would sit in chemo with her and I would just hold her hand. And, um, so every time I finish a rereading like that book and I get to another paragraph, I just imagine like me clicking backspace and enter you know, like making that proper paragraph while holding her hand while she was like sleeping and just dealing with chemo. So it's just like, whenever someone sees a book or they see a book in Harvard or they see this or they see that, they think like these people have like these amazing lives and stuff. And it's just like, we're just like everyone else. And like, I fight every day tooth and nail for my stuff. And it's just like, sometimes like day before payday, it's tight and I'll sell a book and I'll be like, you know what, we're getting dominoes tonight you know, or like something silly like that, or like, you know, I'll sell a book and I'll go to my kids. You want to go to GameStop? I'll buy you an action figure or something yeah. like that. So it's just like, when you support indie art, like you're supporting people that like are trying to support their families mm -hmm. and to support their dreams and stuff like that. And it's a never ending battle. Like I try and explain to people too, like you can self publish, but like, it's kind of like, you're not an artist unless you're being exploited, <laughs> you know? So it's just <laughs> mm -hmm. like, Neil Druckmann probably makes like 10% of like whatever, like the last of us makes, you know? And then like the other 90% goes to like this big company, like Sony and yeah. stuff. But it's just like, if Neil Druckmann doesn't sell another game or like the last of us dies, then he's got to find another hustle. Oh, and his 10% like is probably so much higher than other people's. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. And, but he still has to like produce great stuff right. on a consistent basis. So imagine if you, if you make it like even smaller. So like a lot of these, indie developers that like you end up like loving they're just like you it's just they have these ideas and if they don't get support then they don't get to create so man you guys just like totally hit me right here with those so thank well, you so much same to you dude like hearing those stories you know it, I, I hope it i hope it does ring with people because you know we all have our struggles man and uh and i respect the hustle like you put in the work and it's pretty incredible stuff for sure thanks man for sure yeah no problem well I don't know how to end it from there, but uh, I will say we have a show next week. Uh, we are doing the top worst game. Actually, the worst, not the top. The worst <laughs> game commercials. Uh, I will have oh. another Brian stand in. Uh, <laughs> and we have a special guest, uh, the Retro Hangover podcast. The gents, nice. uh, Chris and Shane. Guys. Yeah, Chris and Shane are joining me for the next episode. So I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, appreciate them coming on the show and everything. And I appreciate oh, nice you. Yeah, I will for sure. <laughs> I was on that podcast like two years ago, so they're oh, great. Really? Yeah, oh, that's man. so cool. I've, man. I've done my I've done my media tour, man. I've been on over two hundred podcasts the last four years, man. Like I'm trying to get out to as many people as possible. So yeah, yeah. When I well, saw that you you guys did you guys do such quality work, and like oh, I was I in a couple that. episodes, and I'm just like, yeah, I want to get on here. So <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I appreciate that, Patrick. I really no do. Problem, and I appreciate man. you coming on, man. It's been a good time. And uh, I think we, we definitely covered the, the the best games with a female lead between yeah. the three of us, without a doubt. Yeah. I hope you guys all have a great week. Thank you so much for joining us. Bye. Thank you. Peace.